to the Coaches Rising podcast. I hope this finds you well, which is a pertinent statement because in this podcast, I will be talking with Verity Simcox about mental health and well-being in the field of coaching. Um, Verity has been conducting research into this topic, so we're going to be discussing the outcome of that research in this times of you know the pandemic where more and more and more people are going to be experiencing mental health issues and well-being issues so we'll talk about what do we mean by mental health and well-being uh, is there such a thing as a boundary between therapy and coaching you know what happens when we look for that boundary how can we know when we are moving outside of our depth how can we know when someone is displaying signs of poor mental health or well-being and how might we need to challenge ourselves around what we're seeing and what we do in those circumstances so it's a really exploratory conversation I really appreciate being with Verity it's given me some things to think about and to take away with me which I always really enjoy so yeah, you can find out more about Verity at her website and she'll be naming that at the end. We'll also see if we can put a link to her research in the show notes. Uh, Verity is a, a, a coach, an executive coach, and she has a has a therapeutic background in that she trained as a, a therapist and she's really passionate now about this area of mental health and well-being in the, the leaders that she works with. So let's dive in. And of course, if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop and join a, a global community of deeply passionate coaches, then you can head to coachesrising.com and put your name in the sign-up box there and we, you'll keep in the loop about things we create. So let's dive in. Here is the podcast with Verity Simcox. So Verity, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Pretty good. Um, so uh, let's let's talk about I think a really important topic today, and it's been I think a focus of your work and your research, yeah. and that's the topic of um, well-being and mental health in the realm of coaching. Yeah. And so you know I think with the pandemic, um, this is such a, a relevant topic, yeah. and I think it's only going to become more so. So um, perhaps you could tell us a bit about the research you've done and what inspired you to do it and the kind of coaching you're doing and, and, and then in that bigger context, why it's important. So that's a yeah. big place to start. But. No, oh, well, it's kind of the only place to start. Um, so I, I first wanted to explore like what mental health was in coaching you know, after going through my master's in coaching and behavioral change with Henley, which was fantastic um, and such a rich experience, such a wide range of tutors. But I kind of sat there and noticed that it, it was almost sometimes the elephant in the room and something that I was really keen to explore, whether this was something that was, you know, was a mental health issue that was a challenge maybe coaching could help with maybe couldn't help with and I just kind of had all these questions um and it's within that you know I got more vocal and I got more curious about 
this boundary space and you know particularly in coaching what is the boundary between coaching and what is you know what is therapy and it's it's such a big boundary and it's you know in the professional body's eyes it's the only boundary really that defines you know coaching versus therapy and I was just kind of really curious when we're all people how how does that how does that come out in coaching Mm. yeah well let's because I I think that's it's always a big topic you know in some of the trainings we put out there's always people bringing that question and uh, saying things like is this therapy now is this coaching and so what do you think about that boundary you know because on the one hand it feels like a big boundary but on another hand when you like get close to that boundary it's kind of much less tangible than it seems uh, yeah massively absolutely massively and you're, you're kind of describing my experience you know I was you know I'd be sat in a room and and my background you know I came to coaching from uh learning about therapy um I'm not a I'm not a therapist but I have a therapeutic background and it was part of it through that learning I you know switched to coaching and wanted to work more in the coaching space more generatively um but then when I sat in a room of other coaches and particularly mostly from a professional background or a corporate background um I noticed that I was possibly picking up nuances and I think that's the right word that I wanted to explore or that I felt maybe in service for the client for them to explore than others and that just kind of propelled me to go closer to the boundary you know what is this gray area and you know how do we understand it as coaches so my research into that was titled you know how do coaches make sense of mental health in their coaching practice and it was kind of really diving into what happens as a coach? What are our thought processes? What guides us as we get to that point of thinking, you know, is this coaching or am I getting close to the boundary? And what does that boundary look like? Is it the right boundary? And what do I do here? So I was kind of driven from a real practical point of view of actually what is happening in the coaching moment for these coaches and how can we make that clearer? Because mm-hmm. um, what is the opportunity that you see here? You know, um, yeah. Oh, that's kind of like a million dollar question already, isn't it? <laughs> um, the opportunity. So uh, we've just had, you know, Mental Health Awareness Week here in the UK. And it's, you know, it's we all have mental health, just like we all have physical health. And I am really, I really believe that within that coaching can promote positive well-being and can work with mental health and with therapy in tandem to, you know, build emotional resilience and capacity. But I also think that it's deeper than that. You know, there is this understanding of actually, well, what is not just mental health but what is mental illness and you know what does that look like in our clients because our clients come to us as you know as themselves and I you know I know in my experience and I have heard time and time again from other coaches 
you know, the whole person turns up. We show up as our, you know, our authentic coaching selves. And we're modeling that and encouraging our clients to do the same. So if they've got a mental health challenge or they're experiencing low well-being, then surely it's going to come up. It's going to appear its, you know, head. And for lots of clients, sometimes this relationship is, you know, it's the only relationship of this sort that they've ever had. So, you know, with that, there's a deep level of trust and there's rapport. So does that make them more likely to share with us as a coach that there is something emotionally that they're really struggling with that might be outside of why they came to coaching in the first place? So for me, that's kind of why exploring mental health in coaching, talking about it as a coach and encouraging other coaches to think differently about what mental health is, you know, is it's in service of the client. It's in service of the whole client and helping them to grow as a person. Mm. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying there. I think I feel similarly in the sense of, um, you know, it's there anyway, yeah? yeah? And so if we're entering into these intimate conversations, going deeper, that... Uh, we need to be informed yeah. about, at, le- at least informed about what we might encounter. Um, I've talked with David Trelevin about this in terms of, of trauma yeah. you know, that, that we can begin. And I think we'll go into that topic again today um, in terms of like knowing when we might be uh, in relationship with someone that's displaying signs of um, poor mental health or, or trauma. And so that that kind of sense of, you know, artificially separating it is perhaps an illusion in some ways I really like that word illusion um because it it was one of the challenges I wanted to explore in my in my research was this kind of this coaching assumption that our clients are healthy as in like they come to us because they know they're mentally healthy they know they're functioning and they need coaching because if they weren't those things they would choose therapy And I, you know, while that assumption is is true, you know, we do as a profession work with a population that tends to be more on that side of it. It that doesn't mean that everybody is in good mental health and they're not experiencing low well-being. And I think that comes down to what is low well-being you know, for you or for me or for anybody else. They're such subjective things. Um, And I know we were talking just before we started this and you were saying how, you know, it's been really busy for you and you've got so much going on. You know, those that left unresolved may or may not, you know, foster poor well-being and left unattended, that might be something that, you know becomes a mental health challenge or it might not and I think it's that openness to exploring that um we meant you mentioned the pandemic earlier it's been you know it's been a real toll on people's mental health globally you know we've had huge big challenges of isolation um you know being physically confined to places but social isolation we've had huge periods of uncertainty and, you know, as a society, we have been put under, um, you know, a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and 
potentially there are going to be um you know a, a lot of mental health challenges that are going to come from this right yeah totally um there's there's many different directions we could go here i want to i do want to come back to that that notion of like the boundary between coaching yeah. and therapy and um I also want to talk about how we define what mental health could be. Yeah. And then also want to talk about what came out of your research. Yeah. So maybe let's start there. Like what, what, what did you discover through your research? So uh, um, my research was, is really new. So there isn't a lot of research around coaching and mental health. So that's kind of the first thing to highlight is I came up with more questions than I ever had answers. And it would be lovely to kind of see in the future more uh, research in the in the area of mental health and coaching. But I kind of what I discovered was a lot about the sense making process that coaches go through for all their decisions when it comes to what they can coach with and what they can't coach with. So I coined this frame coachability. Um, you know, is the client coachable? And for me, what came out was you know, you've got a coaching relationship that is the, the funnel, the food, whatever you want to call it, that's got all the detail in for our making sense of, it, of the client and their world and their goals and their experiences. And it's such a subjective and intimate relationship between two people that the variables are always going to be different. But what is also really apparent when we make sense, particularly of mental health um, within this relationship are the coaches, what I call like socio-cultural norms. So where they're working, the, the, you know, the laws that are governing them, you know, um, for example, um, in the US, you know, there's a lot of insurance for mental health. They have to be accredited and trained to even go near that space. Whereas in Europe, you know, where you and I are currently, there's a lot more freedom to be flexible with um, what support for mental health that is available. And then um, I came up with this other, con you know, this other uh, idea, which was professionality. And that was the coach's training. So, you know, where are they coming from as a coach? You know, what's their background? Are they, you know, coming to this from... Uh, you know, 20 years in leadership or 20 years in consulting, or are they coming to this like me from a therapy and a psychology background? And interestingly, what my research also explored was the coaches that have training in mental health and the coaches that don't. So if as a coach, you had a basic training and a very much you know needed training in mental health, is that enough to help you make sense of a mental health uh situation possibly should it arise um so if i kind of take you back that's a lot of information if i take you back to this like coaching relationship what my research suggested was that as coaches we kind of create a sense of what's normal for our clients so if we've got a client continually in a high pressure environment you know working very long hours then that becomes normal if we have, you know, a quite a um, maybe a more placid client working in a very different environment or working on life aspects, that becomes the, the normal. And actually, it's from understanding the normal for our clients, we can start to look at the abnormal. And 
maybe then explore the well-being um, concepts that sit around that. So in my research, I had coaches that, you know, were coaching people that at this time, so this, my research was pre-pandemic, were flying all over the world, they were on different time zones, and they were tired, they were physically exhausted, and the coaches in my research were saying to me, I know it's not mental health, I know it's not low well-being, because I know that this is just their life, but I need to be aware that there's a tipping point. So I think it's, you know, this sense of, you know, we may, you know, we, we understand our clients and we understand they're normal and it's so subjective. It's such a subjective sense-making process. Um, I will say that my research also highlighted that there are coaches out there and very valid to that will just go on the symptoms as listed in, you know, documents like the ICS, uh, referring a, a client to therapy document um, or on other professional bodies. And they would just go for a symptoms checklist. You know, this is the symptom of anxiety. This is a symptom of depression. And it's actually, this is mental health. You know, this is not what I do. And then I refer them on. But for the majority of coaches, it was so much more personal than that. And it co the coaches, we care about our clients. You know, we want them to do well. We want them to grow. We want to make, you know, them happy. We want to see them fulfill their lives. And some of that is well-being, surely. Mm. Yeah, no, this is just to say, I have a bunch of friends who, when the pandemic hit, they, they, they loved it in the sense that, of course, not for the wider suffering that happened in the world, but they were those people jet setting around the world. And suddenly they were like, I'm spending time with my family. I'm working out. My diet's got better. I'm not jet lagged. So, um, but maybe, maybe it's a good place then to talk about what do you, what do we mean by mental health and well-being? you know, so yeah. that we can then start to get more distinctions around when our clients might be moving out of normal yeah well I, I i don't like that word nor i mean yeah exactly it's, a, it, an it's not yeah. normal it's not normal <laughs> like you know you're normal if you're you know you're mentally healthy we've all got we've all got mental health and we've all got high and low well-being and we all fluctuate so i actually think it's really hard to define um and kind of the closer you get in exploring some of the concepts the harder it is to define um I would, for me, mental health is just an awareness of how you are mentally, uh, you know, an emotional awareness of how you're feeling, how that's affecting your behavior and kind of tapping into your inner resources of going, do you know what, you know, I'm feeling really sad. It's been really tough. What do I need? What do I need to process that? And for me, that that's mental health. So it isn't this, oh, I'm, I'm positive, I'm happy, you know, or I'm sad. It, it's not categorical. It's not you're either healthy and happy and sad and mentally ill. Um, it's so much more complex than that. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, um, and I, I, I imagine that, well, let me, let, me, let me caveat this with maybe I'm making a massive assumption, but I think that we can tell when our mental health is dipping, you know, yeah. like even if we might not be able to name, I'm just not feeling myself, yeah. you know, I'm not feeling how I've felt my whole life. 
Yeah. I might be feeling more down. We all have highs and lows, yeah. but I might be just generally feeling more anxious yeah. or depressed. And, yeah. and I can't, it's not shifting, you know, and I feel burdened in some way or. But um, I think you've, yeah. you've hit there probably the next, the next bit that, you know, I know you want to go on to kind of this, you know, well, then what is a mental illness? You know, if we've all got well-being and we're all feeling the highs and lows of life, then how, you know, how do you know if it's something that is more challenging and you might need professional help that coaches can't provide and aren't trained to provide? So I think when you mentioned, you know, it's the burden and the ongoing, there's, um, you know, this this intensity of symptoms and the longevity of symptoms is one of the classic key um, key pointers that it might be something that warrants either a diagnosis or it might be something that, you know, needs exploring in either a therapeutic session or with your doctor or, you know, with a psychologist in those sorts of settings. Um, you know, I know that there's various different categories, like for depression, it's a continued feeling for like um, two weeks or more. Um, and then anxiety, you know, when you think of depression, anxiety, the most common uh, mental health challenges facing people at the moment, um, you know, anxiety is, is, is that burden, that real worry that, you know, prevents you from doing anything, um, not and possibly not just that niggling worry that's might be in the back of your head or you know much more um superficial you know these are much deeper and but of course that's subjective so what I might think is a really deep you know anxiety challenge or my experience of depression will be completely different to yours Joel and will be completely different to everybody else's in the entire world and that's what makes it really challenging. Do you think this idea you know like a concept like the window of tolerance is useful here if you know that idea from daniel siegel i think daniel siegel is the the originator of that but yeah that everybody's window is you know unique to them and you know um uh, in certain circumstances if my life circumstances changed uh in in ways that that would put me out of my window of tolerance with someone else they might really easily adapt to those changes that so, you know, that we can start to learn when somebody's moving outside of that window of tolerance and yeah. then um, either, you know, like you said, we can learn when to to refer people or that maybe we can also, you know, for example, if it's showing up in a session that we can actually, um, yes, know that we might need to refer someone, but also have the skill set to be able to just support them in that moment. Yeah, 100%. And I think it is supporting people in that moment. Um, I, I, I kind of approached the research when I kind of link, if I link this back to the research, it's what drove me to it was the possible damage that coaches may do if they said, no, I can't deal with this. You, you know, you need to go and see a therapist. And they make a very business-like referral and I that sent off all, and even saying it now you know it sets off all sorts of warning signs you know it going off inside of me you know how would I feel and how would you know 
that land with somebody that is struggling and that has actually opened up and shared something maybe for the first time with their coach to be told no you know no I don't I won't deal with that go to a therapist or go and see your doctor so I think sometimes is you know building the confidence as a coach to just sit with someone you know emotionally in their space to confidently and empathically listen you know it's their story it's their experiences and it's about them and is that is that enough for a coach in some of these moments I totally think so and I totally think that by doing that and being genuine in our reactions and providing hope then when we make a referral we're making it in a different way um and actually not a way that separates coaching from therapy in a way that I see is actually joining. I'm, and I'm quite controversial saying this, Joel, you know, two professions that fundamentally are helping professions. You know, you, they are fundamentally working with people to help them change and grow. Possibly the starting place is different. Yeah. Yeah. Just just um, a couple of responses to that, uh, that, one is how we might be being invited to continually reimagine what coaching is, you know, and the um, perhaps that more and more coaches bring in therapeutic skills into their work. Now, of course, we always want to caveat that with we've got the training for it and we, we don't take people into spaces yep. that we uh, were not qualified to, or we feel confident to, but um, you know, that we can we can reimagine what coaching is and we, i think we can talk more about that afterwards um but yeah i i love what you're saying now about the way that we refer people because i've been in this experience you know yeah. and it's a very vulnerable it can it can be a very vulnerable thing to do yeah. it's it's for me it was like it's not just like oh oh whoa you know i mean i'm caricaturing here but it's not like whoa 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 you know stop like we can't talk about this, you know, um, you know, you, 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 you get into a, a, you know, quite quickly, I was sensing where, yeah, I'm possibly there's something going on here. And I think there is, and I'm not sure if I'm qualified here and I, I'm really care about this person, you know, so I, I want to make sure that they get the support they need. That's what's so anyway, that's a very delicate conversation to move yeah. into. It, it, it's not just like oh thanks but no I'm going to refer you yeah that's not a compassionate way no and and I think in you, you know you you've highlighted it really well and you've got across exactly kind of I think what I was worried about and I you know what kind of drove me to the research was this you know worst case scenario it could be like this I don't think coaches are like that. I mean, I certainly not like that. The colleagues that I know do not work in that way. Um, and it's done much more sensitively and much more compassionately. Um, but, you know, you're opening up as a coach, potentially something that you don't know, A, what you're getting into, if you're, you know, you have no training and no understanding of mental health. And kind of, you know, B, something that, the client might not, it might not be right. They might not be ready to process. They might not be aware of, you know, there's all sorts of issues around 
mental health and the biggest one is stigmatization um you know when you read all the stats and the figures that are out there globally at the moment there's you know always this piece of this is what we know this is what we think but actually we you know we don't know where stigma is affecting this so you know is that encouraging people to come forward and say they've got a you know an issue or is it you know really holding people back so you know you open up that conversation in a coaching capacity you've got you know you I think there's a whole lot of work um for the coach around their assumptions their prejudices their biases their stigmatization of mental health and just kind of what that means there's it's so much deeper than this is not coaching you know here's the number of therapists I think you should go and see them um and it's also that compartmentalizing of life um that as a coach we can work on certain areas but certain areas need to go to therapy and I in principle that is 100% correct but in practice those things that are being worked on therapeutically they're going to show up in the coaching space I so believe that you know if you've struggled with something that's warranted therapy or even not warranted therapy you know that might be the reason why you're making a change and that might need to be considered in the moment for the purpose of the coaching Hmm. oh totally totally yeah yeah, and I can imagine an, a way, a place that actually there would be a synergy between therapy and coach. If someone was working with a therapist and a coach, that actually, you know, rather than be siloed, that there could be a kind of generative synergy between them. Yeah. And like explicit, you know? Yeah. And I think that would be amazing. And I'm sure there are partnerships out there like that. Um, and, I certainly know from, you know, from my research that coaches felt most comfortable when actually the client was with a therapist. So it kind of gave coaches this assurance that actually I'm not in therapy because they've got a therapist. Um, but it, it, you know, we're in this gray area, we're in this, you know, questioning. Does that mean the client knows the difference? Does that mean the client is going to explicitly keep what they want to bring to coaching and what they want to bring to therapy? Who knows? You, you know, you're then working in a triad of uh, intimate, developmental, growing, changing relationships. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hypothesizing. And but these are all things that are part of this boundary, part of this mental health and coaching. Um, uh, I don't I don't know what to call it, but exploration. And yeah, they just it, it gets me thinking. Well, and it's a, it's a living conversation, you know, yeah. that, that, and it's a living exploration. And that's that's what I think makes this a really important conversation is that I'm sure there are coaches listening to this, you know, who are in the same, uh, well, you know, either there it's highlighting things, making distinctions uh, that, that bring some things into their awareness that wasn't previously or or they're already, you know, inquiring themselves into this. They've already encountered it in some way. So... I think it's, you know, it's um, to not have all the answers is a good thing because we're, you know, in some ways it's evolving, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I guess I'm curious about um, how you um, start to 
Uh, what would the question that I want to ask now, how, how do you start to sense when you might want to refer someone, you know, come back to that idea of this boundary and then how you do that? Like imagining you might have a couple of therapists that, you know, or. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of, so some of, so some of it is, is a very practical um, exercise for me. And actually it is, I always feel like I'm, you know encouraging other coaches to suck eggs when I say this but actually is putting some of this in our contracting finding out like who you know is that a therapist or is it just a friend you know who do they want to call if I have a worry like it, it's for me as a coach it's how do I set up a support network for a stranger I've never met mm. um, and a, a stranger that may become reliant on our conversations and you know, particularly if we get into the mental health realms, you know, or they're bringing or they feel comfortable to bring more challenging emotions and stories that they want to work on as part of the coaching, then I, I need that support network for them. So yes. what do you mean by that? Like, so, um, yeah, you mean so making sure that they've got like a therapist or a friend or, or something or so I would um I know a lot of coaches ask you know are you in therapy have you had therapy you know I would be wanting to find out you know if I had a you know if I had a concern about their emotions you know who could I ring who could I who is their confident beyond me is that a spouse a friend a family member and I would want to know that you know within the confidentiality nothing's going to be broken but if I've got a concern I could say you know Joel, I'm a bit worried, you know, we've talked about this, it's come up again, you know, can I call so-and-so or can we, you know, arrange, can you have a conversation? So I'd bring it up in a coaching way and I might be more directive, which I know challenges a lot of the coaching um, assumptions and the way we work, but I might take a more directive approach in that matter. Um, I have therapists that I would refer to that I uh, know from my training days that I've met since then um so i have that support network for me as well um but it it's my confidence and i think this this duty of care that we highlighted a minute ago is for me what is enough when do i know that i've done enough for my client in this situation and when it comes to the referrals that's me being able to put it to bed and say you've you've done enough verity you've you know you've you've encouraged them to do this you've encouraged them to find a therapist you know you can't you know you can't lead the horse to water horse to water and make them drink it's kind of that analogy um but that concept only dawned on me from conversations with other coaches where you know coaches came to me particularly um you know through things that you know, I've done workshops and webinars and they've wanted to share their experiences and they've kind of wanted closure on, did I do the right thing? Did I do enough to help that person? So I think the referral process is not just the referrals in the moment, it's safeguarding your referral process for you and your, your psychological wellbeing as a coach. Mm. Um, yeah. And then I think... I'm probably the worst person in the world to ask about the boundaries because I do have a therapeutic understanding and that does inform the way that I work and a demographic of my clients come to me for coaching on, um, 
not just mental health, but on um, issues associated with that. So like burnout, stress, um, return to work after absence. So that kind of thing, which is really, again, gets really hard to define when you can straddle this boundary that the professional bodies have put there. Well, what's what? Um, I would say that if I was going to distill it simply, then we have like the co- the client's assumptions, you know, why are they, you know, the point that they're coming to you and what do they want out of it? If they're wanting to heal the past, that's not a coaching. But if there's elements of the past that are roadblocks that we can highlight and potentially explore to get them to where they want to go in the future, then for me, that's coaching. Because mm. that's an interesting um sort of area isn't it in the sense of uh, i found a lot of the leaders and the entrepreneurs i'm i've coached is that there's uh some part of their past which is the thing that's showing up right now that needs to be resolved that that's actually at the core of one of the the things they're wanting for themselves you know and that we actually have to do some integration work there and, and and go deeper into that and Yes, it's not all, that's not, they're not coming to heal the past, but um, it's a block. I often it, find healing the past is where there's huge leverage in their own tr- personal transformation. So, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And I'm, you know, reminded of kind of some of my, you know, my influential early days of coaching where I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't as confident as I am now to be in this space. And you know, I had one client that kept saying to me, you know, well, I'm not intelligent, you know, I'm not intelligent. And I was like, well, where is that coming from? You know, where is that coming from? And we kind of unpicked that. And it was just that simple unpicking in a coaching session of where that came from without the emotional um, distress, I think that's probably associated to, you know, deciding and working out whether it needs therapy and, healing to use kind of brackets um or whether it's something that awareness and insight and i'm going actually yeah this that's where that came from yeah you know and and is that true you know is that true now um and i think the other point you make you know you talk about they've got this unresolved um you know this unresolved issue or something trauma that needs to kind of be worked on to move forward sometimes that's been the reason why these people are so successful you know that that might be the reason why they've got to where they are because they've been so driven and you know particularly in the mental health arena it's very much you know there is a lot of weight and kudos on sharing your own mental health challenges and how you overcame them and that that bears a lot of weight and that I'm amazed, you know, I'm amazed by the, you know, the number of people that um, they want to share their stories because they want to change. And these, you know, if they hadn't have experienced that, they would never be transforming the world and the workplace and everything else because of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just brings up, um, I wasn't expecting to say this or explore this, but the, I don't want to call it the dark side of coaching, but yep. that actually 
uh, I was talking with a friend of mine recently and we were both going through something very intense. And um, we were talking about that, yeah, you know, there probably in every honest developmental trajectory, there's going to be some kind of breakdown. Yeah. Or at least in quite a number, you know, that's what we were both experiencing. It's like, it's like we, we were both committed practitioners and, uh, you know, getting coaching and coaching others, but that, um, you know, there's, it, there was a period where uh, we were like, we didn't sign up for this, you know, coaching supposed to be all about transforming positive, um, you know, achieving the vision or, you know, um, finding that level of performance that I've been looking for. And, and yet both of us were in this pretty dark space, you know? And so I think, you know, I'm glad that I'm, I've been going through that because it gives me more range and understanding and compassion, but I think it's perhaps not talked about in coaching as much as it could be. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, Not just from us as a coach, but, you know, from, recognizing that dark space as you put it in our clients and the value in exploring that um you know and kind of when i in my early days of of therapy when i was training as a therapist it's you know it was all about you know the pressure and the weight of holding something in of kind of that holding the lid on your container and working with clients to you know in that therapeutic space to slowly ease the lid to slowly you know release that pressure um and it's almost the same thing you know it's by slowly looking at the dark space to kind of find find those little you know those little golden nuggets of whatever is really beneficial and come out of that i saw a post on linkedin um I think it was last week and it was a pop psychology post and it was like, um, you know, it was, it, it was like pressure's really, you know, I don't know. I can't remember the words, but it was like pressure uh, isn't all bad, you know, diamonds form under pressure and, you know, stars form out of stress. I, I don't, I can't remember it, but it, it was a pop psychology thing. And it, you know, it's hugely negative. You know, we don't, get the best out of stress you know as people you know we don't if we're under those pressured environments but I you know I think what we're talking about is something um deeper than that much deeper than that but very um I'm treading very carefully and softly here because within that experience of being under pressure and being in that experience of having, uh, in, you know, in terms of our conversation, poor mental health, is there an opportunity for change and learning and development and growth? And I, I can tell you from my own personal experiences um, that that's kind of what fostered me into a huge life change was burning out, um, you know, in my mid twenties. And I, you know, it what the pressure I knew the pressure got too much that was very bad for me but actually when I got to that process I I kind of I was like well I'm I'm here I'm I'm at the bottom you know I'm I'm at the bottom of where I can be emotionally there's I can't I can only go up and it was kind of working through that 
that you know I was able to use those dark spaces for my own change and my own transformation mm. yeah yeah but but that's you know we've we've gone off on a tangent <laughs> away well, from what coaching maybe can and cannot do <laughs> yeah yeah but it but I think it's like these conversations need to be had, you know, about, um, you know, in a sense, we are going quite broad now, but um, yeah, you know, I, um, I do think that coaching can play a powerful role in, you know, moving from the bottom yeah. up, you know, perhaps even more effectively than therapy. I don't know, but um, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I just, the thing, yeah. the thing for me is, I think as coaches, we place too much emphasis on, is this coaching, is this therapy? And for me, I've got to be honest, Joel, it's a continuum. You know, right. we're, if it, it's like, it's helping. We're, we're just helping people. Like, you know, I would help somebody in the supermarket to get something off a top shelf because I'm tall and they're not so tall. You know, it, we're helping. So I, I view it as, you know, you've got a coach at one end and then you've got the therapist and then you might have a psychologist and then you might have a psychiatrist, but we're all working with people and emotions. And obviously this coach bit goes on, but it's, we're in this continuum. And I, you know, a psychiatrist isn't, isn't going to say they're a coach and we're not going to say they're a psychiatrist because we know that they are very different. You know, one is very medicalized and we are very much in the, you know, coaching psychology, positive psychology or whatever underpinnings, integrative that that brings. Mm. But you've got all this in between of wonderful change creating power that people can give to another people through the power of, you know, a conversation and listening. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. And I, I feel similarly. It's it's a continuum. It's it's nuanced. It's it's shades of gray. It's not yeah. that that line when you look for it, you know. I mean, and I do think I do think that each of us needs to kind of get clear about where our line is. Yeah. You know, I think I think I I've felt in conversations where I I can feel like okay, yeah. Um, I'm not sure I can handle this, you know, um, I have to look at like what, you know, you mentioned this before our own biases, our own prejudices, yeah. not all our own conditioning, but at mm -hmm. least I, you know, I can get a sense of like where I move out of that zone of confidence in yeah. my competence, you know? And, and so that, that's a good thing for me to be clear about. And, and, and I have to make sometimes maybe make mistakes with that too, you know, uh, to find out where exactly that boundary is. And I think you've, you've, you've hit on, again, something that I'm really passionate about, but also something that kind of came out of my research that even coaches that have got a mental health awareness training or mental health first aid certificate, they were none the wiser in the coaching moments or the, on what was happening with the client than the coaches without the training. And that got me thinking really like, well, hang on a minute. They, sh they should be. They absolutely should be. And I know we don't like that word as should as coaches, but I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to use it. And for me, that's about the personal work. It, you know, we can objectively say these are the symptoms of poor mental health. 
this is the symptom of PTSD, this is the symptom of, um, you know, OCD or bipolar, schizophrenia, we can look at those and we can know them. But until we're in a relationship with that person and their symptoms, we, how do we identify them? And I think for me, it's all about that relationship and it's all about that personal work. You know, what am I assuming? You know, just because I've seen this in their behavior, what makes me right for me to assume that they do have depression or they don't have depression? And that brings me on to this term, diagnoses. You know, coaches, it's told, you know, you do not diagnose, you do not make diagnosis. Well, we know that cognitively, I know we don't diagnose. It's not something I'm qualified to do. It's not something I have any desire to do. So what's the difference then between making a hypothesis about a situation? Because in my experience, a lot of coaches may do this in other areas of coaching. You know, when you speak to particularly when you look at the coaching consultancy model, um, you know, with organizations and you look at the people and, um, you know, you will put a hypothesis on there and a diagnosis possibly. It's, it's another one of those questions that I'm kind of throwing out there to you, Joel, and to listeners. You know, what is the difference? And if you make a hypothesis, how, how is that showing up differently to a diagnosis? That's a brilliant question. I mean, that's a, it's, a, it's a question that would probably elicit a very, you know, uh, it could elicit a big conversation. Yeah. Um, but for me, what I like about the question is it, it makes me at least want to be a, become as aware as possible about the hypotheses that I'm placing upon my clients and how that influences how I see them and how I interact with them and the steps that I take, you know, and that I can be as both, how could I put it, like as skeptical as possible about the hypotheses that I make about people and yet also own own what I feel, you know, in the sense of like, okay, I think right now I really want to recommend that you you explore this topic further with a therapist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, but it's 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 like what we've been saying a lot in this conversation, isn't it? It's like the the boundaries seem very clear from a, a, a bit of a distance, you know, or like when you're not quite looking at them it all feels all right. But the more you start to yeah. investigate, the more these, these boundaries become intangible and they're actually something living, you know, yeah. in the moment in relationship with people. Now yeah. I know that's, and, yeah. And, and it is that, you know, relationship and it, it, it you know, they've, they've disclosed something I'm I'm going to interpret that on my understanding of the world and some of that is the level that I know myself and meet myself is the level that I'll try and meet somebody else in you know it's that famous saying um and so when it comes to mental health you know for me I have to be conscious that because I research and explore this area and talk about it a lot that you know if somebody says something particularly now you know words clinical words like depression anxiety you know OCD they're used quite you know sometimes flippantly in everyday conversation 
Um, I, you know, I've got a nine-year-old daughter and she'll say to me, oh, mommy, I'm so depressed. And she isn't. She, you know, she's got lots of different emotions, but depressed is the one that she's heard and she's seen and she uses it. And I think it, it's challenging ourselves as a coach, you know, challenging what it means when they've said that and checking that my reality and understanding of that word and the world is actually their understanding and supporting them on their understanding, not on my understanding. Yeah, that's, so, that's great. You know, the referral process, kind of when you talk about it, I watch you and you're like, you know, I can see you get, you know, you change and like, oh, and I get the sense that you've been in the same situation as me and lots of coaches where you've gone, oh my gosh, what, what am I doing here? Is this right? Is this not right? Is this professional? And I think it's only in getting to those moments and probably being honest with the client. I think that's how I know I'm at the boundary is when I say to the client, I'm not sure whether we're still in coaching. I'm not sure whether we're still here. And are having that open conversation with them. That yeah. takes confidence as a coach to say, do you know what? We've gone somewhere and I'm happy to go there, but I'm not sure I'm the best person and I'm not sure it's right. You know, what do you think? Where do you want to go? Yeah. And I, I, and you're right, you know, because I have been in those conversations and um, I just took the same approach of just being honest, you know, uh, not trying to be a professional coach. I mean, of course, being a professional coach, but just sharing, like, I'm, I'm not sure right now, you know, and I want to share what's happening for me. And um, this is why I'm sharing it. But, I, but I've also had pushback from those people before. Yeah. And then it, that's interesting because then it's like, okay, okay. So they they want to continue and um, I'm uncertain about that, you know? So it can, it can, it doesn't always go very neatly, you know, it can be a somewhat that, tricky process. Yeah, that came up in my research a lot, you know, and I wasn't able to answer the question because um, it was obviously in a research environment, but coach is saying, you know, this is they've said no now what do I do um and it, it is it is a challenge you know what do you do and I think for me that is when yeah I kind of circle back to like our conversation 10-15 minutes ago when I said about building in some of this into the contracting for me that's when I think I'd be going look okay I'm your coach I'm here you know we'll keep coaching but I think that you know this is something you may want to take, you know, I might want to share with your friend that you've just brought this to my attention. You don't want to go to therapy, but I want to make somebody else aware. Um, and yeah, that's safeguarding me. And that, and that, and I think there is that element of we have to be professional about it. You know, this is a service. It's, you know, they're expecting certain things. It's there's money involved. It is transactional on the surface. Mm. And so some of that is, you know, we have our insurance, you know, our physical, you know, our practical insurance. We have our contracting, we have our invoicing and some of that, there has to be some emotional safeguarding. Yeah, we've got supervision, but your supervisor's not there in the moment to say, oh, hang on a minute. Can I just have five minutes with my supervisor to find out what I should do next? Right. We, we yeah. have, you know, we have to think on our feet. That's why we're coaches, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, totally, totally with you on that. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a good one. Um, and I can, I, I was interesting because I can feel my slight discomfort of, you know, um, of thinking of being in those conversations at times and having to think on my feet and, you know, how much I've grown as well from doing that as well. Um, and coaches and challenge me. They challenge me, you know, when I talk about this because, you know, I am possibly different in the way I do it. And I, and, I want to, you know, be clear that a lot of it is confident. So if you're, if your coach isn't confident getting into that space, then, you know, I don't think we should, I think we should only be going where we're comfortable exploring and that shifts the coaching away from the client and onto us makes it a little bit more coach centric. But if we're not comfortable to sit with them in that space, we're probably not going to be helpful. Oh, I, I Sweeping state. I think it behooves. Yeah, I I think that's yeah. I, I mean, that, I think that's a given for coaching anyway. It's like um, if I move into even if we're not in the realm of mental health and well-being, but a topic comes up and I'm not comfortable with it, then you know I'm uh, my capacity to be with my client in that is very diminished. And I would say even more than that, the things that I've resolved in myself. Um, perhaps things that were split off or unintegrated, I found that suddenly I start to see those things in my client. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, again, always being careful that I'm not like, I don't get you and um, yeah. 100% this is how you are, but I bring it in, um, you know, very openly, like I'm willing to be wrong. But I often when I've done that integrative work, then I can perceive that thing in the client yeah. that, I didn't, that I didn't perceive before. You know, it's like a frequency has become available. And so I think it behooves us if we're doing that deeper work to have just yeah. done done our integrative work. And I think that brings up for me, um, you know, a question around as we as we kind of move to the last parts of our conversation around yeah. um, just like what practices we might, you know, what, what might we want to be developing in ourselves uh, to support our clients for say, for example, if they are, you know, displaying kind of signs of, of trauma in the moment of, of the coaching or, um, you know, how, how might we, what kind of practices can we, or things can we do to support our clients? So I think that question's got kind of two levels. Um, I think you've got like the, I don't know, the acute trauma, the trauma that is, you know, there's, it's a trigger and it's a challenge and it comes up a bit like, um, you know, an unexpected firework type thing and it's there and you have to deal with it and you've got an emotional client. Um, and, you know, if, if we move away from that just word trauma, if we just think that could be, you know, anything, they, you know, could have had a sudden release of emotions or all sorts, you know, we don't know where, where they are, you know, we only know where they let us see, if that makes sense, the clients. So I think in, a, in those moments, there is an element of coaches understanding uh, the symptoms associated with specific traumas or specific mental illnesses. You know, what, what does classic depression look like? You know, this prolonged hopelessness, you know, the prolonged um, low self-esteem, the lack of motivation and I know that's not trauma as we just mentioned it but what do they look mm. like in the moment and how do I identify that objectively so there's, there's kind of that and I think 
you know, the if you think about tools, uh, you know, and I'm not a massive fan of tools. I'm a massive fan of being and relationships right. and that way of working. But I think this is an area where coaches may benefit from tools. And I certainly have found some really simple tools are very useful. So um, for really distressed clients in the moment, there's a, you probably heard of it. There's a tool called RAINS, um, which is just an acronym. And it's so, um, it you know, you would work through the letters of RAIN, R-A-I-N, and then the S is added on afterwards. And it's like, it's highly searchable everywhere, <laughs> really in depth, you know, if you want to kind of really understand it. But it's something that if the client is distressed, you can just, you know, recognize, get them to recognize what's going on you know, right now in the moment for them, um, you know, how are they feeling? What are they thinking? What's happening for them now? So that would be, yeah, recognize the R. And then the A is allow. Um, and that is as a coach, you know, allowing their emotions to be present, allowing them to feel whatever they're feeling and sitting with them. Um, and also within that allow is that element of calming, you know, is it's, it's okay you know, to feel like this. And maybe there's some breathing work if you're a coach that likes to do that. But that kind of grounding piece that, you know, okay, they, these are feelings. And then there's in the I, which is investigate, you know, what do you need now? Um, you know, what what's going to get you through the next few moments? What would be most helpful to you? Um, then when we move on to N and S, it's kind of shifting the possibly distressed client in that moment to um you know they're not their feelings so n is non-identification you know you are not you know you are feeling that you are not that um and that there's a huge wealth of research into the language and how that helps us disassociate um from our emotions when they're overwhelming and then the s is kind of self-care you know what can you do what can you do afterwards what can you do to boost your well-being and that model is, you know, there'll be so many other coaches that will have similar models. But for me, that framework is a bit like uh, my contracting. I know it's there. I know it's available. And I know that, you know, if I do have a really emotional client and they might, you know, we don't know what the clients are going to bring. I've got that to kind of deal with. So, for me, that's kind of step one of that. Of that how do you deal with that? Mm. But actually, I think kind of step two is what our conversation has been about, you know, the personal work. And when we talk about the difference between coaching and therapy, I kind of always think about what's the difference between a coach and a therapist? And taking away from the doing and the being to, you know, them as people. And from my experiences, when I trained and I did my first um, three certificates in counselling, they were focused on me learning about myself. I didn't learn tools. I didn't learn uh, theory to begin with in the first year. I learned about me. And I've also, you know, that weight makes my coaching what it is, makes me who I am. But that exploration I didn't do in my coaching training in the same depth. There was reflection, it was guided, it was very useful, but I didn't do the internal personal work. 
And I didn't go to, ther- you know, go to become a therapist because I needed therapy. And I sat, you know, there and I looked at my prejudices, you know, you, I looked at, you know, why I make decisions the way I do and where that comes from. And I looked at my biases and I looked at the assumptions. So I think to confidently work as a coach in the realm of mental health and even well-being, um, I think there is an element of personal work, getting to know yourself and your triggers. And if you aren't aware of when or why you feel, you know, the way you do sometimes on a surface level, then how can you meet your clients in the way that they feel? Hmm. So it's a a really complicated answer to a really simple question. (laughs) No, no, but um, that's good. Yeah, no, I... I, um just um reflection on both the things you said like the well yeah you know i'm i'm for me i think it's the number one factor in the effectiveness of my coaching is the depth of work i've done on myself and therefore what am i embodying and what am i able to perceive because of that work and so and i think that in even in the same thing with as if somebody's traumatized or displaying signs of trauma or emotional volatility or just had a some kind of breakthrough it's like um uh you know i can embody the the things you mentioned with the acronym as well so you know that that i'm um a kind of presence a stable presence and um uh sort of transmitting that sense of this is okay for this to be here but to the client so because i really appreciate those those elements of the rain metaphor i think there's so much in that that that's integrative you know being able yeah. to recognize what's here in the moment and then um allowing you know is this okay for this to be here because yeah. i mean a lot of times coaching clients are actually um i mean maybe this is a generalization but people want to kind of do that transformation because they're actually trying to get away from something and actually if we can allow that thing to be here then it can actually begin to integrate you know and accept becomes accepted and then the energy bound up in that is freed up so um i'm just appreciating that metaphor that you've shared there and yeah um, thank you for that um it's there would be other people that would explain it far better than i do and use it in lots of different ways but it's i just think it's so valuable as a coach when you know and as a coach that doesn't draw on a lot of tools but to have something you know to have something if you ever need it um and you know for me this is all about helping my client you know how can i help them to grow how can i help them to fulfill their goals you know that real surface stuff you know how can i help do what they want me to get them to do and if that's sometimes what it needs then that's enough. Hmm. Yeah. I um, would love to, I think this is a great place to bring the conversation to a close. Yeah. And um, where can we find out more about your work? Verity? So um, I, I have a, just a website, um, verisimcox.com. Um, but at the moment I'm, you know, building, building my empire. Kind of, although I've been coaching for quite a long time, this, area is still growing so my website would be the best place um 
there's you know different resources available that you can get links to from there um and who knows who knows what the future will hold for me in this space mm, yeah I just I, I want to thank you and I, I really appreciate your sincerity and um, curiosity in exploring this uh, topic you know that I think is so relevant for so many people um, I really I, I find you very trustable I appreciate what you're sharing so thank thanks. you well I hope it's um, a value to the listeners and encourages thinking here we are, we're at the end of the podcast. Just a, a heads up again, if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create, then head to coachesrising.com, put your name in the sign-up box there. You'll also find some of our other offerings, our online trainings for coaches there. And just want to end by wishing you well, and I'll see you again next time. <laughs>